Good morning, church. So last week we started our summer of service, and I hope that you've already seen on the website where we have a banner that we'd love for you to click on that, and you can log your service hours because we really mean it. We we want to engage our community, and the ten thousand hours of service is a great challenge. But the point is not completing those hours. It's not about a task. It's about what God does when we step in front of people, and. We get to share the good news of Jesus with him, whether it's just a cup of cold water in his name or it's a challenge to serve him and and share a a word of good news with people. We are excited about this. So please go online and and, and log those hours so that we can continue to see what God does. And we want to also hear the stories from you about uh, just the quality of interaction, the, the names you get to know, the faces that God loves deeply that we get to know this summer. Let's, uh, let's begin with prayer as we, uh, open uh, the Word of God this morning. God, we, we thank you so much for uh, the way your son Jesus served. He gave his life as a ransom for all of us. He, he sacrificed himself on a cross on our behalf. His entire life was a life of service. And God, we take that as a model for our own lives, uh, something worthy of imitation. So this morning, God, as we sit in this room and we await you, God, we just take this moment of silence just to steady our spirits, God, to calm our souls to, to open our ears uh, to hear you this morning. Father, you spoke in the beginning. You filled the silence and you created, and we pray you'll do that in our lives today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning I want to share three things I think are really important as we engage service. This sermon today is about uh, before we serve is the title. We're taking this in kind of three sections. We want to talk about what do we do in preparation for our service? What are the kinds of questions we ask? How do we find our passions and the right mode of service? But then I want to talk next week as we go into impact week about while you serve. How do we keep our eyes open, see God at work in the world? And then finally, the week after, we will celebrate and reflect on what God has done as we continue this service. So let this be a model uh, in some ways of how our families should engage as we as individuals engage, as our connecting point groups engage. Think about this in terms of before, while, and after. This morning I want to set us up talking about before we serve. So three things I want to share with you this morning about a service that I think are really important. First word is this, be careful, be careful. Uh, this comes out of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Ephesians five fifteen. Paul writes to the Ephesians and he says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Now, Paul doesn't have to tell the Ephesians that the days are evil or that they walk out into danger and that they need to be careful because they know that. They know they live in a city full of darkness, full of danger in many ways. Some of them used to be a part of that darkness. But they've walked out of that darkness into the light, and so his word is to them, be careful. Paul sends them on mission with eyes wide open. The, the second, re, second thing I want to share with you is, is, is be prepared. Jesus counsels this wisdom in the Gospels. This is in the Gospel of Luke that, Jesus, uh, that Luke records Jesus' words. This is Luke chapter 14, verses 28 through 30. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. So the kingdom doesn't need more unfinished projects. 
What God wants us to do is to prepare for our work to make sure that we have all that we need to count the cost and then to go off and to finish those projects. We don't do anything haphazard because we know the quality with which we work represents in some way the God that we serve. So we need to make sure that we have everything we need to do the best work possible. The third thing I want to bring you this morning is be a good host. Be a good host. Hospitality is a, a key theme in Scripture. It's important that we are people of hospitality in our own lives. Listen to the words of Paul in verse, uh, Romans 12, verse 13. It says, Short, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. And so as you serve, you share with those that you encounter, everyone you encounter, and you're a good host wherever you go. So just to recap, right? First, uh, it's important that we're careful. Be careful. And then second, be prepared. Then third, be a good host. That's three points. That's three Bible verses to support them. And if you think that's the end of the sermon, you're, you're kidding yourself. What's interesting is I, we can defend a lot of things with Scripture. But these three points run exactly counter to the message that Jesus gives his disciples in Luke 10 before he sends them out on mission. So I got a whole nother three points for you, okay? They're going to come out of Luke 10. I want to encourage you right now, if you would, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Let's look at the words of Jesus, because sometimes the prayers that I hear prayed, the concerns that I hear shared about mission sound a lot more like the advice I just gave. And there are verses that would support that. It's important to be careful and prepared and to be a good host. But when Jesus sends out his disciples, he says something a little bit different. It's important for us to see the difference between Jesus and our home ec class from the 1950s, in other words, right? And as a parent, you might not like what Jesus has to say, but this is what it means to be on mission with God. Let me invite you again to open your Bibles to Luke 10. As we come to Jesus' advice to his followers, he gives them a warning before they go on their mission trip. And it strikes me as almost exactly the opposite of what most Christian churches do when they set up a mission trip. What we do is we need to fill all of our spots, right? So we let people know, hey, if you want to go on mission, if you can find the money, we'll help you kind of find that. We'll resource you in some ways. And we want you to go on mission. And Jesus doesn't do that. He's got a full mission trip. And he says, okay, before we go out and do this, I want to make sure all of you have really counted the cost of what you're about to do. So he's trying to narrow the list of people, not add to fill spots, right? This is what it says in, in Luke 9, right before he sends them on mission. Luke chapter 9, beginning uh, in verse 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Did Jesus wake up on the wrong side of the bed on this day? These words seem harsh, don't they? Here's a, a man who's in grief because his father has died, and the response is, no, 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 if, you, if you're on mission with me, <laughs> You leave now. And another says, hey, let me go home and at least tell my parents where I'm headed. We don't have cell phones, Jesus. That's 2,000 years later. Let me at least tell them what's it. No, if you're going to look back, you don't seem to get the purpose of what I'm doing. Jesus is calling them to count the cost, but it sounds different than be prepared, doesn't it? 
It sounds like it's important that we get started on this mission. Not just anyone can go on mission with Jesus. So then we come to Luke 10. Jesus has these 72, the larger than this group of 12 disciples that he travels with most of the time. And there's this larger crowd that's following him. And this is, these are his three words of advice that sound a bit different from the earlier advice I, I gave. Let's start in Luke 10, verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. So the first piece of advice Jesus gives is, uh, you're to be lambs among wolves. Which is interesting because the primary prayer I've heard us pray over mission trips over the years have been prayers of protection. And I'm not saying it's wrong to pray that God protect us as we go out into his harvest field, but he's real quick to remind us, look, there are wolves out here. This is a dangerous mission, and you're not supposed to be predator. You're supposed to be lambs, which is not the most flattering calling, right? And it's not like Jesus just says to these people over and over again, what does he call us, followers of Jesus? We're sheep which is not the greatest pet example I would want Jesus giving. Sheep, really? Is that what we're doing? But yeah, that's what Jesus says. You are to be lambs among wolves. Remember, this is the mission that Jesus goes on himself. He dies on this mission. It's a dangerous thing to go out as a lamb among wolves. And Jesus finds that out. And not only that, Jesus' 12 disciples who become apostles, 11 out of those 12 end up dying a violent death of some kind as martyrs for the faith that they're on. Jesus, it's a very important that Jesus helps these people understand, if you go with me, this may not end well because Christians are called to be lambs, not to become lions that put down the threat ahead of us. I, it's always bothered me when I think about Christian school names. Not everyone's like this, but sometimes they'll call themselves the Crusaders. And I'm kind of like, why would you bring up the worst of your history and name your school that, right? What Jesus says is the opposite. He doesn't say you're predator. He says you're prey. You're going to walk out among wolves, and you're going to be at risk when you go on this mission. So not so much uh, be careful. Jesus says it's kind of not a part of this mission. If you're looking for a careful mission, I'm sure there's someone else that can help you out. We, we don't enforce Christianity, do we? Christianity is not a conquering faith when it's at its best. Christianity is meant to be an invitation because love requires the freedom to choose. And part of the reason people are so resistant to the Christian mission is because the church has left its calling as lambs and has often become predator instead of prey. When you serve, you'll be at risk. You'll be at risk of, of being taken advantage of. You'll be at risk of being misunderstood. In fact, some are even at risk of bodily harm. And Jesus calls his followers, count the cost before you go out there. Because remember, there's wolves out there and you're not supposed to be them. You're lambs. Let's read on in verse 4. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. So second, here's what not to pack which wasn't exactly how the youth minister sent us on retreats, as I remember it, right? There was always a packing list, which was really helpful. So we got some students that are going to Kadish, and I, if, if Wes is doing his job right, I'm sure that he's got a packing list of some kind, right? I don't mean to, yeah, he's doing a great job regardless of that, but my, he's following Scripture if he forgot is the point, right? 
Because Jesus says, look, when you go out, you don't take a purse, you don't take a bag, you don't take sandals. He doesn't tell them one thing to bring, he tells them what not to bring. Which is opposite of the scouts, you know, be prepared, right? This is like, don't be prepared. Which is a little bit of a shock. It's not what I would expect Jesus to say, but this is exactly what he says to his followers. When you go out on your mission, don't be prepared with the things you think you need to be prepared with. Now, why? Would anyone tell his followers to go on a mission trip unprepared? It's a great question. And here's where I want to make a book recommendation. If you're looking into more of uh, trying to serve well in the summer of service, there's a book that's really helped me. It's called When Helping Hurts. And the tagline is, How to Alleviate Poverty Without Hurting the Poor and Yourself. It's a great read about the ways that we actually hurt people as we're trying to do our best to help them. It should be required reading, I think, for anyone who does benevolence work or, or goes on a short-term mission trip. This book has helped me see the ways that well-meaning people, these are examples that I've done myself as I've gone on mission, but what I've done is I've taken dignity from people as I'm trying to help them and give them a hand up. And sometimes we do relief work when it shouldn't be relief work, but it's development in a country, right? We need to know the kind of thing we're trying to do and not cause harm as we're trying to help. I'll say more about this in a bit, but when you go serve in another culture and you have all of the resources and you have all of the answers, sometimes you forget that you don't have the questions that others may have for you. And when Jesus sends his followers out, he sends them out in need. And all of a sudden, when they're in need, they're not saviors that are going to save the world for Jesus on a crusade. What they are is a bunch of people who are going to need the help of the people they're trying to bring the good news of Jesus to. And that puts you in an entirely different position, doesn't it? When instead of going and having all the answers, you're going in need of help from the very people you're trying to serve. Does this make sense, what I'm saying? In a way, it doesn't, but in a way, I hope it's beginning to. If not, then let's keep on reading. Verse 5. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. And if not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and and tell them that the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, even the dust of our town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. The third, receive the hospitality of others. So backwards, isn't it? Oh, we're supposed to be good guests. That's what my mom taught, our host. That's what my mom taught me growing up. But instead, we depend on the hospitality of others. So who wants to sign up for a mission trip like this, right? I can just imagine now. We're going to Honduras this year. And uh, all we want you to do is buy a plane ticket, a round-trip ticket, right? But the rest is going to be taken care of by the people we're going to serve. It's bizarre, isn't it? It's almost like we've missed this in Scripture as we go out on our mission trips. Now, why? But if you've ever been to a third-world country, you understand how this works, don't you? Because these people who have to, seem to have so little, it's like they prepare this incredible feast for you. Because they know hospitality. 
They know that's their requirement when you go there is provide. And you're almost embarrassed by the gift that comes. You're like, no, no, you don't have to do this. But you know how awkward that would be to be, you know, to, to refuse the gift that's offered. We, we as Americans don't like to be in debt to anyone, except our credit card companies and our banks, right? We don't like to owe anyone anything. We, we much more like to have people owe us. We like to be on the giving end where we have the resources and others have to find a way to pay us back. All the while we say, no, don't worry about it at all. We much prefer that to the opposite. And it's really awful to go into a third world country and have to owe these people something knowing you can never actually give with quality what they've offered to you. So Jesus sends these people out into these houses and he says, proclaim the kingdom of God. And you know why? Why do they go with need? They go with need because the way they're able to figure out who the people of peace are is when they go out and they know the only way we're going to survive is if people show up. And sure enough, what happens? People show up. And these are the people of peace they're supposed to announce the kingdom of God to. It's so backwards from our mentality, isn't it? Because what do we do? We go in with everything we need and everything they need, and we pour resources in, and we throw this fancy VBS overseas without even being asked to do it sometimes. And then the next year, we don't come back, and they try to throw a VBS, and the kids are like, you know, I don't know if you guys can put it on as well as the Americans can. Sometimes we try to help, but what we're doing is hurting. Probably a good thing to ask anytime we go on mission, the people who are there, do you want us to come? And if you want us to come, how do you want us to actually do this work? In fact, I'm wondering how this works this summer as we go in to try to serve others. What's it like to be embarrassed by the gifts of others rather than embarrassing others by taking their dignity with acts of service? What would it be like to owe the people we're trying to bring the message of Jesus to something rather than having them owe us everything? I want you to think back through your life about the people of peace that you've encountered. Think back about those people that have been open to the gospel. Maybe you've gotten to share that news with them, or they've been people of peace that that have received you well. Who are the people who filled a need when you needed it most? Who are the people who showed up and gave you a word of encouragement when you were ready to quit? Or when you were in need of something, who were the people who saved the day when you needed it most? Those are your people of peace. And I wonder if we miss opportunities to share the good news Because some of us are never in a position for someone else to have to show up and have what we don't have. You with me this morning, church? Again, if you like the first sermon this morning, then go back and just listen to minutes six and seven. Just kind of stop there because those words are pretty common in our day, right? Be careful, be prepared, be a good host. But Jesus says the exact opposite in Luke 10. Don't be careful because remember, you're lambs, not wolves. And, 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 and don't be prepared, because if you're always prepared, you'll never be able to see the people you're trying to reach, the people of peace. And, 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 and don't be a good host, because you're going to have to go into other people's homes and eat whatever they set before you. And in that, the kingdom of God will be revealed in a way you'll never see it when you have everything to offer and nothing to receive. We come in as people who, yes, serve, and we come in as people who are ready to to pass on the good news of Jesus, but aren't we always surprised in the settings by the ways we see Jesus rather than just the ways we want to offer him? Put yourself in that position. What does that look like this summer? That's kind of what I'm curious about. What does it look like to, to serve 
in a way that puts us in need of people showing up, in need of God showing up, so that when they come with their hospitality, we say, ah, it's a person of peace. In fact, who are the people of peace in your own life right now? Who are those cashiers that you found at stores that you keep returning to and you've gotten to know their name? Who are those people that you are indebted to that you realize may not know the message of Jesus? Now, all of a sudden, you have a chance to speak the good news in a whole new way. What I'm trying to say this morning, probably more than anything else, is this. When you serve, be a learner. Be a learner. Learning takes humility, doesn't it? Because the minute we think we know everything and we have everything to offer, then... We have nothing we can grow from. The only way you grow is if you admit you may not know everything. The only way you come in and do healthy missions and service is to come in and realize you may not even have the questions, much less the answers that are there. What would it be like for us to engage in mission in this way? I, I, I'm having a hard time trying to figure this out because I've known mission a certain way. I've not known mission this way. But, but I'll tell you, when I go out there this week, I want to have eyes wide open because the way Jesus sends us out is so different in the ways we often are sent out. So it's really good to have people at your table. How are you going to find your way into the tables of other people? That's a strange question, isn't it? And I'll tell you, I've had a whole lot more people at my table than I've found people who are not Christians. You guys have been great to us and have been hospitable, but I've invited a whole lot more people to my table than I've been at the table of people who don't know Jesus. And that needs to change. Again, it's so backwards, but it's, it's the way we open ourselves up. It's the way we give up home field advantage, right? In fact, not this Monday, but the following Monday during Impact Week, we're going to give up home field advantage as a church. We love throwing parties uh, on our parking lot, but we're going to throw this party at Ford Park. And, and we're going to do that. It's going to be great because we're going to be off our land and we're going to be where others are much more comfortable. And we're going to go around and we're going to invite people to this party and we're going to have all kinds of fun. But what does it look like to enter into a park environment as a church on mission, not with everything to offer, but with something to receive? What does it look like to come in with eyes wide open, wanting to learn the culture and understand that people aren't all like us in the world? And that those people that we're trying to serve may be able to show us Jesus more clearly than we've even known him ourselves. Isn't that such a different take? It makes you excited to go out because what you realize is I have so much to learn. I don't know everything there is to know. When we put ourselves in a position where we don't know anything, it's so much better. Isn't this the case when you're a teacher? When you're a teacher, you get to sit with the text all week. You get to develop this lesson that you're going to bring. I mean, you bring this to the kids, some of you who teach in our children's classes. And what do you find almost every time? Those kids see things you've never seen before in the Bible. Or you're studying with someone who's never read the Bible before. And what happens inevitably? They read that text you've read a thousand times. And if you're open enough to see it, they're going to teach you something you've never seen before. Because we don't have Jesus in our possession. Jesus is wilder than the boxes we try to fit him in. In fact, he finds himself in places we wouldn't dare show up to. And if we just have that dare we take to enter into these places Who knows what might be transformed in our lives? This is the invitation, church. Before you serve, think about this. Think about not just what are you going to offer, but what are the ways you're going to be open to learning, open to relationship in new ways, and what might Jesus teach you? And that'll change the way you walk into mission because all of a sudden you'll have eyes wide open to see the ways the Spirit will teach you about who Jesus is from the most surprising places 
and the most surprising people. You ready to do this, church? Changes the way we see service, doesn't it? It's exciting. So that's my prayer. I want to pray this morning as we close. Is, God, would you teach us? Would you show us questions we don't even know to ask? Would you help us see things we haven't yet seen? Would you help us to know names and faces and find ourselves at tables with awful food that we have to eat because the worker deserves his wages? And we might just find some good new food as well. Let's pray as we close our time this morning. God, I thank you for this story that is so backwards from the way that we engage mission and service. It shocks us out of our our ways of thinking about things, God. We trust that hospitality is a value we want to hold on to, but God, we need to find more hospitality at the hands of others. Put us in a place of discomfort so that we can see you in new ways. And God, we, we ask for protection in these times of service, God, but we realize that we're more like the prey than the predators. We walk out amongst wolves and we're lambs, but it's in the midst of that that you teach us so many new things. And so God, we take risk as we walk out these doors because this isn't enough to stay inside these four protected walls, but it's, it's a calling to go outside of them. And God, we, we love to be prepared with all the answers before we get out there and all the resources. But God, help us to step out in need of resources that others will provide. I pray that you'll open our eyes to see Jesus in a whole new way. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.